Welcome to another episode of Access Answers. I'm your host, Julia Vergara, with Angela O'Pry, and we have Yvette Clark here with us today. Really, we should be introducing the queen of networking, Yvette Clark, a.k.a. Principal Consultant for Access Sciences. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is making me nervous, but I think it'll be fun. So (laughs) fire away with your questions. Well, we have lots to talk about today. Um, You've been with the company for a number of years and really kind of have a diverse experience. You've done recruiting, you've done marketing, you've done consulting. Tell us a little bit about your journey and maybe some lessons you've learned along the way or your favorite moments. Okay. So I got recruited to um, work on recruiting for the company. I worked very part-time from home. And I mean, it worked great and then um, became more involved with HR. And so I was doing not just recruiting, but staffing and performance management. And um, and I love that. It was really a great way to get to know uh, everybody in the company, especially recruiting and hiring them. That was fun. Uh, and then um, uh, it just worked out that marketing came under what I was doing so I worked on that for a while, loved a lot of it. It's just, it, it suited me pretty well in a lot of ways. Um, and then I decided I needed to go back into consulting because that's what I did before coming to Access Sciences. I love developing relationships with clients. I love solving their problems, helping them figure stuff out, um, getting aha mom- moments or seeing clients get the aha moment or using words that we use like, single source of truth or I'm like, ah, we said that and now you're saying it. So um, I don't know. Over the years, uh, I mean, there have been some classically funny, just awesome moments. And um, one little story is a, about a woman we <laughs> recruited and um, she ended up being a um, documentary kind of series. She was a star of um, a reality show. And um, she was a teacher for uh, Teach for America. And I just happened to watch the show with my dad. She was in an inner city school in New Orleans. And nobody watched the show. Nobody. Except my dad was a teacher. And he's like, hey, watch the show with me. Look at this. This teacher. She's awesome. So, of course, you know, I'm paying attention. Well, when this person shows up in my office and I look at her resume, I said, oh, my gosh, that's you. You were on that show. And she's like, no. Anyway, it was really <laughs> fun. And, and just we've had some really interesting uh, people in our company. And um, it's it's been a fun journey. So did being on the show, did that hurt or help her interview? <laughs> well, I just have to tell you that I one other person in the company knew but we didn't tell anybody else because, you know, you don't want it to color people's um, yeah. view of her. I mean, she's a candidate for a job. Let's just review her her um, background and her skills and so forth. Um, but then, it, of course, everybody found out and watched and, you know, she, you know, was gracious about it. So, yeah. And she um, and my dad just loved her because she like didn't put up with anything. And she broke up a fight in the bathroom. And and I was like, oh, that poor girl. So, of course, when she walked in my office, I was like, 
You look familiar. So anyway, it's funny. That's hilarious. Well, you never know with reality TV. I mean, that's a dangerous, you know. It is. And I had seen it. So I, I knew what we were getting into and, and I felt like it was appropriate. So she, in fact, when they hired her for Teach for America, they did not tell her that she was going to be on this reality show. They oh, kind of wow. sprung it on her. And she said they had cameras everywhere, like on her desk, in her drawer. So. Wow. So I kind of introduced you as the queen of networking, but not really kidding. You seem to know everyone in Houston. I've never known, even outside of Houston, everywhere you go, you know, someone there or a friend of a friend or the owner of the place um, or the owner's stepson. (laughs) And I think that's kind of how you came to access sciences, right? Like, don't you have a story about when you met Steve? Well, so I was already working for Access Sciences and um, Steve Erickson, our CEO, was, we worked on a board together um, for the Nature Discovery Center in Bel Air and great guy. I thought he was so nice. And um, in fact, one of my friends had a crush on him and I think he knows that now, but <laughs> super nice. Anyway, he was supposed to be the board president after me because we had kind of set that up, right? Well, he comes to me and he says, well, I've got to um, tell you some bad news. He says, I can't be president next year because I'm going out of town for my job. And I said, oh, I gave him a hard time. I was like, no. Anyway, I did it. And fast forward about, I don't know, six months. I'm standing in line at Cafe Express with my girlfriends and Steve's behind me with his briefcase. And I turn around and went, oh, I have a job for you. I can, are you interested in applying? I mean, it's a, it, you'd be in town. So anyway, <laughs> long story short, we hired him. I think he started, I, I can't remember what level he started, but he definitely has been such a, a great force at um, Access Sciences. So there you go. So Yvette hired our CEO. I know, I know. That's a pretty cool badge to wear. Yeah. Do you think that recruiting has changed? I mean, we see a lot in the media now with this whole career migration, resignation, et cetera. Do you think that the field of recruiting has changed since you were directly in that role? A little bit. I still think there's those tried and true rules, um, which is, you know, stay at a job for at least two years if you can and don't leave a job, um, cut that. So I would say about 10 or so years ago, job hopping was uh, a negative. We didn't like to see a lot of people jumping from a lot of jobs to, you know, jobs to jobs in every, you know, year or so. That was kind of frowned upon. But now I think that is more what people do. They um, go from job to job and, and it's kind of okay. It's almost like we've changed to a, a gig society. Gone is that long, you know, tenured employee with a, um, with a pension plan. And I think people um, are looking more for what interests them and a culture that they um, feel comfortable with. I, I think people still want to be paid fairly, but I don't think salary is as big of a draw as um, I think it used to be. So I think it's culture. I think it's fitting in. I think it's the job you're going to be doing, um, the people you're going to be working with. So it's almost like when you interview for a job, you're also interviewing the company 
Right. Yes. I mean, didn't you do that when you, I mean, both of you, weren't you looking up information on the company and. Absolutely. And now you have more resources at your disposal, right? Like Glassdoor, you can message employees directly on LinkedIn and say, Hey, can you give me feedback about your manager or what the company culture is like, your experience working there? Well, I was definitely stalking Angela on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) The truth comes out eventually. (laughs) Yep. I think it's, I, I think it's almost imperative to do that. Um, these days, because the, the, the information's there. So I think it helps in making your, accepting your job decision. Mm-hmm. One thing I saw recently in an article was the concept of references, which I found to be very fascinating. So it's very common to provide references if you're the candidate, right? And say, hey, here are people who are willing to speak on my behalf about how great I am or a good fit for this role. But what I'm seeing is that candidates are asking for references of the manager. Wow. Hey, do you have people that would be willing to speak to your management ability, to what it's like to work for you? And really the roles reversing there or, you know, going both ways rather. So that was fascinating to me. Well, you said just a bit ago that, you know, when you made kind of the move from recruiting into marketing role, that it was very natural and very easy and comforting to you. And I think that's because they're very similar in the sense that recruiting is still marketing, just maybe to a different audience and with a different goal than generating company revenue. But you're still always on and the brand is still very important. And I think those concepts are fundamentally very similar. I agree. And I think that's why I embraced and and really liked a lot of it in... I didn't, I don't have a background in marketing. So there are a lot of things that, um, you know, I was like, oh, I got to school up on some of this, but um, it is, it's very similar. Um, I found that it was kind of a, you still have to network. You still have to uh, be a good ambassador of the company. You have to have a good brand, et cetera, and, you know, good website presence. And so, and actually, <laughs> It gave me such a great appreciation for marketing. And to me, it feels like, and you guys might agree or disagree, that if it's not HR, it's not accounting, it's not um, technology, it's not consulting, it's not this or that, it's marketing. So marketing kind of gets the, it gets a lot of stuff put on it and a lot of, oh, well, that's marketing because they don't know where else to put something. So it's like a lot of stuff gets pushed into marketing or falls into marketing. It's a little bit more blurry or more of a gray area than just managing financial statements, you know, or something very black or white, like the finance department. Absolutely. No, I agree. It's, um, it's so necessary. And in your role, moving over to the consulting area where you are now in the consulting division and team, you are really um, the change management expert and working with our clients to get them to understand the value of it. But really, you're still marketing is what I'm trying to say. So moving over into a consulting role, Mm -hmm. again, you still have this marketing background and the experience. Tell us how, maybe explain how change management is similar. 
Well, on one of the clients I worked um, on in a change management role, one of the first things, well, actually, I've done it on the last two clients uh, that I've worked on, is to develop a brand for the project because you don't want, you don't just want to say it's the Office 365 project. Boring. And there's no, there's no, there's no emotional feel to it. So the last two projects where I I did uh, led the change management work, we came up with a brand, got the client buy-in and and was able to get logos created by the marketing people for those companies. So it kind of drew everybody into getting behind it. And it's, I think that is marketing, you know, creating kind of a brand for the project. Absolutely. What's so important to me is for people to understand why we are there doing this project. Why? What's changing? But but why are we doing this? And then um, once you can get people to understand why, then you can prepare all kinds of messaging around, you know, what's in it for them, what, how it's going to help them, how it's going to help the company. So anyway, from a marketing standpoint, things have to they have to look nice. They have to be sharp, um, crisp. So those are things I've kind of carried over from that marketing role. Absolutely. And you're still doing a lot of the email communications and designing the emails and the uh, videos, the training videos and programs. You know what? It's interesting. A lot of what I do is not like 100% perfect. And I wish it could be, but sometimes you're like, I just got to get it out the door. You know, it looks good enough. It's not perfect. Just get it, go- get it out, do it mm-hmm. because it's kind of a balance, right? So Julia, do you relate to that? I was just going to say marketing knows that pretty well, <laughs> knows that feeling pretty well. Right. We're trying to push so many things out the door. Not perfect, but as close to perfect as you can get it, right? <laughs> right. Right. It's so fast paced too. Well, what you guys do is so fast paced because- you know, in three days, it's going to be at the bottom of somebody's feed. So to me, it's it's important to get it out there. This has only happened once, but on Instagram, I accidentally posted an Access Sciences post to my personal Instagram. I noticed right away. So I was like, okay, delete. <laughs> go back to the Access Sciences page. but Yeah, because it's easy to kind of go from one to the, the other. Toggle back and forth. Yeah, only once. And it was for... Two seconds, probably up. (laughs) Well, good thing it wasn't the other way around. Access Sciences tames information chaos. We design, implement, and operate integrated solutions to manage information, unlocking its full value throughout its life cycle. We do so by applying creative minds, diverse experiences, and a passion for problem solving. If you're interested in partnering with Access Sciences, contact us at info at accesssciences.com. So speaking of forming those relationships, whether it's in marketing, recruiting, or consulting, now that the pandemic is kind of hopefully at its end, we're getting to do a lot more of that. Um, You went on a client trip recently, I think the first in-person one in a while, right, Yvette? Yes. We... um... My colleague Paul and I uh, flew to California and we spent a week at a gas storage um, facility and we got to spend time <clears throat> with all of the employees that work there. And it's 
it was shift work. So we had to kind of make our hours fit so that we could catch everyone because they work, I think, four days on, four days off. So, you know, we had to kind of coordinate so that we could do that. And these these workers don't have uh, computers um, in front of them all day, right? They they share a computer or they're on it for a little bit or they're walking around the um, plant doing their maintenance work. <clears throat> so it really was imperative for us to go and to interview them. They're, they're, this project <clears throat> had a little bit of anxiety for the folks because what we were doing was asking them about their jobs and what they did and their roles and responsibilities. And um, that can be very intimidating. So um, it was so great just sitting with a person that we just met, asking them a little bit about themselves. And I mean, learning fabulous things like one of the guys renovates Impalas. I mean, he from like the 60s and they're gorgeous. Wow. And so, you know, he just told us all about that and it was fascinating. And then he was able to tell us about his job and what he did and his, you know, responsibilities, things he was accountable for. And um, one of the other guys uh, uh, has a fruit stand kind of when he's off for the four days or his family runs a fruit stand. And he had brought in chocolate persimmons. And I was like, what? So uh, they are interesting and they do kind of taste like chocolate. And the weirdest thing about them is when you bite into them, it's brown. And he said they're not really mass produced because they're kind of unappealing. I mean, you bite into fruit and it's (laughs) brown, but it is fascinating. And I, and it actually was pretty good. So I um, kept some seeds. So hopefully maybe I can propagate some chocolate persimmons. So Anyway, they were super welcoming. They um, <clears throat> cooked for us for three days. They had a barbecue. Um, oh, they did steak one day. They did, um, uh, what did they do? They did, oh, some brisket meat that we don't have in Texas. I think it's called fry tip or something. Really good. And um, anyway, super welcoming, super friendly people. And um, it was fun. It was so fun to be in person and to talk to people. And they toured us around the facility and um, it was really fun. How comfortable were your new fancy steel-toed shoes? Believe it or not, pretty comfortable. Wow. Okay. Did you see a picture of them? I did. I don't think Julia did. I haven't. Yeah. They look like high tops, <clears throat> but low top, low high tops, like Ch- Chuck Taylors. Mm-hmm. Um, they're Skechers, but they're steel toe. And they have them non-steel toe, that particular shoe. Um, but I got the steel toe and um, they were pretty comfortable and they're super heavy. So mm-hmm. I had to wear them home on the airplane because, <laughs> you know, my carrying thing Can't was so it. full. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I'll just wear them. So they're and they're cute. Although my daughter doesn't think they're cute, I think they're cute. <laughs> For steel-toed yeah. shoes, they're probably pretty cute. I'm guessing. Well, Paul looked at my shoes and he's like, oh man, I don't like mine. I like yours. <laughs> <laughs> he had he had steel-toe envy. Steel-toe shoe envy. We need to link that in our bio. <laughs> yes. Start advertising those shoes to everyone. Well, it's funny because Linda, when we were talking about getting them, um, the shoes, Linda said, oh, I think Skechers makes some. 
that are that are okay looking and they do but these were like I gotta have these and there was like one pair left on Amazon or something I'm like all right I'm, I'm getting them so and even though uh Paul is in Houston that was still your first time to meet him in person yeah, you know, Paul had and I had been on two projects together and had been on many teams meetings face to face to face on the on the computer, but I'd never met him until we got to the airport. And I beforehand I said, "Oh, by the way, I'm 52." And he said, oh, "Okay, I by 4." And so when I saw him, I was like, "There's Paul." And so we sat together on the airplane and just kind of got to know each other. You know, it in person. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it was really I, something I'd never experienced before. And I don't think the pandemic, before the pandemic, that would have ever happened. Like we would have been in the office for something together. Yeah. Well, when we went to, what was it, Angela, Florida, that was our first time meeting Angela Tilton. And when we got off the plane, Angela sent her a picture of us and she was like, this is what we looked like. But of course, in the picture, we were like really, really cute and dressed up and stuff like that. And so we took a selfie on the plane and we were like, but this is what we look like today. (laughs) And with our mask on, because sometimes even if you know what the person looks like, you can't tell with a mask. Yeah, that's that's true. true. That and then true. whenever we landed and we thought we saw Angela Tilton across the way in baggage claim, we're like, is that her? Do I approach? Do I go say hi? No. What am I going to say if it's not her? So that was interesting. That was yeah. fun. Fun time. Did you guys get to do any anything fun while you were out in California? Any exploring? Yes, we, we did. Um, we originally wanted to go to the Sequoia National Forest. And we're all set to go, but um, there were fire um, fires, and so the roads were cut off, and we couldn't we couldn't go. So um, we thought, well, let's just go to Yosemite. It was about an hour and forty minutes, I guess, um, from Fresno where we were. And the clients were so nice; they <clears throat> scooched up their meetings. They kind of smushed them for us on a Wednesday so that we could leave uh, right at, after lunch and uh, drive up to Yosemite. And it was funny, one of them said, yeah, well, you get to the entrance and you still have to drive for like 45 minutes. So it kind of prepared me. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that at a national park because like Big Bend is like that. You get to the entrance and you're a long way to go. But but it was worth it. It's beautiful. Um, You know, I didn't realize El Capitan is there, which is the, it's pretty famous because there's a guy that um, uh, he um, climbed it without um, any guide ropes or anything to catch him. It was free. No, thank uh, you. There's a movie. I think that's a terrifying. <laughs> wow. You get to go to the cool places. Normally, I feel like traveling, you know, consultants or business travel is not as exciting, but you also got to go to St. Croix a couple times. I did. Yes. Two times. Um, we got to visit down there. Um, there's a, a refinery there that we were working with and it's beautiful. And what was fun about it is it's American. So, you know, you could use American money and, uh, cell phones worked and, um, it, uh, it, the people are just lovely. And um, the crazy part about it is, is they 
drive on the left side of the road, but their steering wheel is on um, the same side as ours are. So it's just, it was really awkward. And um, one of the guys that worked for us that was there with us, uh, his job was to, every time we turn, he'd say, stay to the left. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to remember that because, you know, we have muscle memory. So it was a little uh, treacherous at some points because of the driving, but it's beautiful there. And um, it was fun. It was a really fun trip. And um, I enjoyed the beach and we had some wonderful food. Who knew? Do they have roundabouts there? Because I remember whenever I was driving in Turks and Caicos, it was the combination of the steering wheel on the other side of the car, driving on the other side of the road, and not knowing how to navigate these roundabouts. And cars are just zooming by. And I'm in this teeny tiny little car like, ah, I don't know what to do. Yes, they do. And, you know, when you have the, your GPS on, it says, take the third road off the roundabout. And you're like, wait, does it count? Does that one count? Wait. Uh. So then you go around another time. And yeah, it's... um we're not used to them or I'm not used to them, but um, they I did saw this them. meme one time about roundabouts and it says how to use, it says how, how to navigate a roundabout. And it said, say a prayer and hope you make it to the other side. <laughs> and that's how I feel. <laughs> and even the, even the Texas roundabouts, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. There is that one um, in um, Herman park or over there by Rice university. Mm-hmm. That- oh yeah. It's a little bit like Frogger to me. Like, are you going <laughs> to cross the lanes? Are you going to hit anybody? I think the science says that they're safer. I don't know. Well, I guess you're not running a red light or you're not. Yeah. It is a lot faster because there's no stopping. Mm-hmm. I don't know about safer. I feel very unsafe on those around <laughs> Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Um are not fun. Um, one of the other places that I've traveled is uh, to New Orleans um, with a colleague with Renew, and we had a ball, and we just went <clears throat> eight at different places. And um, I don't, she's fun because we um, Renew, we went and visited one of the plantations there too. So uh, it was a nice kind of cultural experience, but also um, just you know when you're somewhere you might as well like enjoy the local food, the local heritage, you know, things that are important to them so that you, you learn about uh, the place you're visiting. So Renew is a ball no matter where you go. She's so <laughs> yeah. fun to travel with. True. You've traveled with her, right? Yes. My favorite experience was bike riding in Colorado when she was wearing high heels. <laughs> I Not a good combination. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. She's a nut. So hopefully 2022 will have some more exciting trips coming up. I think we're all That'd looking nice. forward to <clears throat> business as normal or however they say now. So I think a common theme is connecting and relating to other people. And we have some fun stories about getting to meet our own team members for the first time and traveling together. And I think you would agree that really creates a bond whenever you travel together and you spend three or four days in a city and, you know, coffee in the mornings and dinners in the evenings. 
one of the best things or most exciting things in the past couple of years is your project for Let's Connect and your initiative internally to help employees get to know each other. Tell us a little bit about how that came about and what you're doing with that initiative. Oh, sure. Um, so Linda, uh, the, our VP of um, professional services said, you know, we need a way to get our folks to connect a little bit better to get to know each other and also find out what skills they have that they can share with others and let them know, Hey, I'm, I know a lot about, you know, this. And so we came up with an idea to have uh, an employee interview another employee. We were thinking it would be about five minutes, but some of them have been like 15 to 17 minutes. So um, (laughs) some people talk a lot. Some people um, are less uh, willing to share, or they're just, uh, you know, more uncomfortable. But what's great is um, you can see their faces. So it's a video and um, Kathy Jordan and I moderate it. And so we, we give them some ideas and some questions and um, some of the stories, just the laughter, just, you know, people are nervous to do it. I, uh, you know, I, I totally get that. But it's such a joy for people to get to know each other because they'll say, hey, I've emailed you before and, you know, I've heard your name and it's so great, you know, to see your face and chat with you. So it's been fun. So we do, we've been matching people. We've done about, I think, 12 or maybe 16. We've done, we've done quite a few. And so we space them out about every two weeks or so. We'll have a new uh, version of it. And it's always the person who gets interviewed is the interviewer for the next one. So they kind of know what to expect. And um, yeah, some of the stories have been fun and everybody says they've enjoyed it and they enjoy kind of getting to know people um, either doing it or watching it because we, we post them on our internal web uh, portal. And so people can click on it and watch, uh, you know, whenever they want. So it's been fun. Yeah, I know Julia and I really enjoy watching those and getting to see to see people that we work with too and our own team members that we haven't met yet or you know, new hires. So, that's a great initiative. Well, and it's I think it's been something that now people are less afraid of cuz they know what what we're doing. And it, it may be, you know, it's like, congratulations, you've been picked. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're not grumbling so much anymore. Like, what is this? What are you making me do? So I think that's kind of how the podcast has been going. I think at first there was some, oh no, what? I'm going to be on Apple and Spotify and it's going to be out there on the whole web for anyone to listen to. And now I think after... 17 or 18 episodes, there's a little bit more comfort with it. Yeah, like they, I think people trust us not to go try and embarrass them on Apple (laughs) and Spotify. (laughs) Looking out into the new year, you know, just a few weeks away, kind of preparing for 2022, something that we're doing internally, and I'm sure many others are. What do you see for change management? We've all been through an enormous amount of change, many different waves, six, seven, eight different waves of change in two years. What do you see for next year? What are your predictions? 
What do you think is going to happen? You know, what's interesting is when the um, pandemic hit and everybody had to stay at home, we had to embrace a new technology to, to uh, be able to work. Um, a lot of us had to use Teams. We'd never used it before. And, um, you know, even our clients, um, they just switched over and, and started working. So to me, that is, um, you know, because we had to do it, that makes change. When people realize that they have to change because that's the only way they're going to get work done, then they embrace it and they use it and it becomes their new way of working. Now, it wasn't pretty and there were a lot of grumbling, but people embrace that when they know that's, you know, how they need to, that's the new reality. And so I think for next year, I think we're going to have to have a hybrid. I think we're going to have people who prefer to work in the office, who are going to be working um, in groups, but still there are going to be some people who are going to be remote. So we're going to have to kind of try to figure out how to work um, in a hybrid mode. And um, I think we're starting to go that way and people are starting to work side by side. Um in, in fact, one of the interviews we did with uh, our client recently, we had somebody in the room with the client and then two of us were on teams. I mean, and it worked, it worked pretty well, but I think we're going to see more of that. So maybe coming up with some ways to make that easier, um, easier for the people on the phone, easier for the people who are in the room to uh, collaborate. So that's one of my thoughts about the new way we're going to have to be working and, um, you know, it, it, I think it's going to work fine, but it's just, we're going to have to kind of get to where we feel like it's, um, working. I think some common themes have been resiliency and flexibility, which going back to recruiting is the big theme is flexibility as an employee or as an a candidate looking for a job, that seems to be something that is a top priority. Flexible workspace, flexible hours. Um, you know, so I think with the resiliency and the flexibility, that will continue to be a theme for next year. And that seems along the lines of adaptability and accepting of change if things are flexible. I don't know. That makes any sense to anyone else, it, but it does. I think resiliency is incredibly important, and I think if you don't have it, it it's going to be really hard because um, it it's just such a necessary thing to have uh, as part of who you are. So, yeah, we've been very intentional in the marketing department about remaining agile in it's, it's just a requirement, you know, we've had to be that way because things are changing so frequently with what's happening in the world. So I definitely continue to operate that way. I agree. You know, it's interesting. Um, but Todd and I did an ARMA international presentation on making meaningful connections Mm -hmm. and the importance of listening, having integrity, being resilient, um, having courage, all of these things. And I did use a lot from 
Brene Brown, and she just came out with a new book that is called something like Making Meaningful Connections. Atlas so I was of like, the Heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I think it, it, she hit, because I saw her on a, a show talking about the book, and I was like, we're all on the same page. I think it's so important. So anyway, that Absolutely. was kind of cool. I can't wait to read that. Maybe that'll be in, in everyone's stocking this year. Yeah, I, she's a great writer, easy to read. Yeah. Well, I have to ask before we go how your quail are doing. Is quail plural? I don't know. Is it quails? I think it's quail. <laughs> I think it's quail. So I have to ask how your quail are doing. Um, they are good. They're good. They, when we had the freeze, um, a few of them got sick. Um, I had them in the garage. They didn't quite make it, but um, they're do the the ones that survived are doing great and um, happy and plump. <laughs> so. Oh, that's good. Well, keep us updated on that chocolate persimmon. I will. I will. <laughs> I will. All right. Thank well, thank you, you so much for joining us today. That our networking queen, as Angela put it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And. Um, We look forward to all being together again in person very soon. Yes, I agree. I agree. I miss that. 